Greetings, everybody. Welcome to episode 153 of the Masterclass. Is that right, Dave? I thought maybe... 153? I thought maybe we were at 155. No, it's 153. But I never remember, so... <laughs> yes, welcome, everyone, to the 153rd episode of the Masterclass. I had 152 written down on my sheet. That's why I was very confused. Anyways, we are happy to be here. You've heard my voice. I'm Cam. His, uh, his name is Dave. Hello. If you're new to the show, and if you're new to the show, welcome. So yeah. glad to have you here on uh, the Masterclass. And uh, we are, well, we're in the middle of chapter one in the book of James. And what are your thoughts on James so far, Dave? Uh, what we've read thus far? That Yes, the, the 15 verses we've read thus far. <laughs> Um, I don't know that I have a lot of thought on what we've done thus far. Um, well, I hope so. We just recorded like 80 minutes on the first 80, two episodes. <laughs> yeah, you know, James jumps right into it from the beginning. So, um, I guess being the brother of, brother of Jesus, you, uh, are full of wisdom and... I, I feel like that could have gone one or two ways. Like, pastor's kids, you know? Yeah, that's true. Or either like pastors themselves or like horrible people I, I get generalities not always accurate but like you you have to imagine being the brother of jesus must have been infuriating most of your life could have been yes i mean i was i have two sisters and luckily they're younger than me which means that i did not have to follow them in school because they were both straight a students and i did not care <laughs> for school i got decent grades but at thought it was generally a waste of my time. Um, and I know how annoying it was to be their older brother. And they're not perfect. And, and they were, you know, younger than me. Jesus was perfect and was James' older brother. Like, talk about a shadow to grow up. Yeah. In, right? Who's at, like, the temple at what, you know, a very young age, wowing the rabbis with his knowledge and wisdom of the scriptures is, like, you know, a tyke. Um. I just, yeah, I can only imagine that maybe James beat Jesus up quite very often. <laughs> <laughs> or tried to. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Jesus was jacked. I was going to say, he was a carpenter, so. Yeah, but so would, so would have James. True. Would have been. Yeah. But you never know. Anyways, that's total speculation, but I thought that was kind of fun to think about. Like, man, growing up in the shadow of Jesus. And then there's also the flip side of like, well, what if the other kids in the village didn't like him? <laughs> no, had heard had heard the stories about how Jesus was conceived. Oh, your parents weren't married, you know, and you know how awful teenagers can be, yes. what they can say about people and their moms. So I can only imagine some of the things that that James had to endure from just his own position, and then then just the awfulness of teenagers and what they're willing to say to piss somebody else off or right. make themselves look good. Yes. Huh. Never thought about that before. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, yes. So should we jump to it or is, or is there any other pressing matters that we need to attend to David? Uh, nothing we need to attend to. Other than I feel like my wife is making a tremendous amount of noise tonight. That's very distracting. <laughs> 
It's all, I think she's moving furniture up there. It's like it does. It does sound like that. You may want to make sure the Terminator is not ripping your house apart. So it's all right. We like we like Melissa. We'll oh yeah. Slide. I'm pun intended. <laughs> all right. Um, do you want to do the honors? Sure. So we're just going to do three verses, uh, sixteen through eighteen, and um, we'll see where that goes. So, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wow. Some good stuff in there, Dave. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, trivia time. Mm-hmm. Which hymn has a line from this section of James? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know. I need to have that in one of my sound pads. Uh, that would be uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness. There is no shadow of turning with thee. No changes, not that part. Gotcha. Yeah, with whom there is no variation of shadow due to change. So it's not word for word, but the ESV doesn't use the in it either. So maybe that was a stretch. Sorry. All right. So let's uh, skip over that hymn business and uh, get back to the Bible, shall we? Yes. How do you feel about hymns, Dave? I'm just kidding. Let's hang there for a second. How do I feel about hymns? <laughs> In general. I like hymns. I I I um the I like Christmas songs. And I think it's a bummer that some of those hymns have become like such um seasonal type, you know, because I don't think that's necessarily how they were originally intended to be and yeah, I love I want to sing go tell it on the mountain every week. <laughs> you know, and I think there's some I think there's some a lot of theology in the hymns that like when you really take time to step back and look at some of the things that it says, I'm like you know, just for example, joy to the world is coming to my mind and just things mm-hmm. like you know, let the earth receive her king. You know, it it I I just think about how casually people sing that every year and the, just the reality of the earth receiving her king. I mean, that's just, that's such an awesome thing. Um, he rules the world with truth and grace. You know, uh, that's John 1, truth and grace. And um, I just, so anyway, I hadn't prepared to, to speak on that, but I like hymns. I particularly like, Christmas carols, Christmas songs that have, that have become <laughs> seasonal. Uh, and I just think a lot of the old songs, I guess I'm assuming hymns are old, but uh, I think a lot of the hymns have some just deep theology to them, deep truths that I think we we just kind of gloss over when we sing them nowadays. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, we have, I have started integrating 
more hymns into the music we sing at youth group because I want to help the students get a vocabulary, mm -hmm. better vocabulary um, for what we're studying in scripture and all offense to modern worship music, you don't get the vocabulary in modern worship music for the most part. I, I don't think you get the vocabulary. Especially when you, especially when you compare it to what the, the lyrics of most hymns. Right. And we default to singing the same thing like over and over again, where I love you <laughs> and you love me. Whoa, oh, 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 drum fill. And I also think the hymns, there was a much greater sense of grandiosity. Yeah. Like transcendence and. Mm -hmm. this element of worshiping him and coming to him. And I think that's probably one of my biggest beefs about today's music is, well, there's a lot of beefs, but one of the things I'll add to the list is it, it, it does feel like we make it an awful lot about us in the current hymns or the current, whatever you want to call them, worship songs versus uh, what I see in the more traditional hymns. So... I agree. That being said, there are some there are some modern songs that I think are incredible. One that comes to mind is This I Believe, the Creed by Hillsong. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially the Apostles' Creed set to music with a few things changed to make it, you know, rhyme a little better. But it's like, this is theology. Right. We're we're singing about I believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. Like the Trinity is a Bonkers concept. Right. But even like that, we're giving, I, we're giving vocabulary to it, right? Yeah. But even that's kind of recycled. I feel like that's an old, the, the, back to my favorite, Rich Mullins. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I listened to Rich Mullins If I Stand on cassette tape today. Oh, wow. It wasn't my cassette tape, nor my boombox, but it was glorious. Dude, cassettes sound so good. <laughs> Analog audio is where it's at. I don't even know That's that I would, saying. I don't even know if I'd be able to find either of those things. It was an original cassette, too. Picture of Rich and his dog on the <laughs> cover. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that was a fun distraction. Sure. Um, yeah. Hymns. Mm, good stuff. Uh, back to James, then, I suppose. Yes. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every, so, okay, so, this, that feels sort of like a conclusion to the previous section, even though it's a different paragraph in my Bible, because we're talking about being tempted and not saying we're being tempted by God, but that each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire, and then desire conceives birth to give sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brother. That seems like a better ending. Like, don't be deceived by the temptation. Don't be deceived by the thought to blame your temptation on God. Don't be deceived by the acts of sin. I don't know, because otherwise it seems weird to just start. Like, do not be deceived. Like, Okay, that's a good general statement, I guess. But it feels connected to the previous section to me. Yeah. I, I can see how it's connected to the following thought, too, of, hey, don't be deceived. 
every good thing is from above. So, right, and and but that also seems like a counterpoint to let no one say when I'm being tempted, I'm being tempted by God. Like, no, 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 your temptations come from you, right? And everything that is good, right, comes from from above. Yeah, I think it goes both ways. I think that's a good point. Yeah, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So, like. That means God is always good. God is always like, God is always giving, which is, I don't know about you, that's encouraging because fickleness is uh, anywhere from incredibly to extremely frustrating to deal with in people. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I've ever been fickle in my life, but it when you when you cannot rely on somebody because of their fickleness or their hypocrisy. Like it can be maddening, right? Oh yeah. Especially (laughs) like if you're depending on that person, like my, my, you know, my dad and the situation he grew up in, there were a lot of times where he needed to rely on his mom because she was his mom, right? And we all need to rely on our moms for stuff when we're growing up. And he would try to rely on her. And not only would she not be there to be relied upon, she would do things that were antagonistic. And that's the nicest way I can put it. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into details because that's my dad and my grandma's personal business and it's not mine to share. If it was my business, I'd share it, but it's not mine. All, all, all I'm trying to say is there are people who have relationships with the people in their lives that should be reliable, that should be trustworthy, that should be um, authentic, that should be um, that, that are not because the other person is incapable of either doing so or chooses to make bad decisions at the cost of the person who is relying upon them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is parents. Sometimes that is spouses. Sometimes that is other family members. Sometimes that is coworkers or bosses. Um, and, and obviously the degree of hurt and effect depends on the relationship and that sort of stuff. But it's nice to know that our God, right, God of the Bible, is not fickle, is not hypocritical, is reliable, is trustworthy. You know, mm-hmm. the firm foundation, speaking of hymns, right? Um, that's just really encouraging because then I know when things seem to be tossing around or things seem to be inconsistent. Well, that's user error on my part, right? right? Like, I don't have to wonder, well, is this God being, well, you know, is this God just being annoyed with me? Is this God all of a sudden not being kind and loving and merciful and forgiving? Or is this me being those things and projecting it onto somebody else? Right. You know, it's a lot easier to realize, no, yeah, it's me. It's definitely (laughs) me. Yes when you're comparing yourself to God, right? Like, oh, no, yeah, okay. 
I wouldn't do that because, well, he can't. <laughs> yes. It's not part of his character, right? It's not. But, yeah. and even in that, I think it's, it's our perception of, of those things too, of, as we've mentioned before, this concept of my life is supposed to be prosperous. And if not prosperous, at least I need to be comfortable and I need to not be inconvenienced. And, um, you know, uh, it, it talks about our idea of what a perfect gift is. Um, Hmm. upon first inspection may not be what we think it should be. But then I think if you really pare it down and, examine what God is doing in your life, particularly if if you can have the 30,000 foot view, if you can have the perspective of time, um, you know, um, what he has for us is often different than, um, what we can see in the moment. Um, and a lot of it has to do with what we are doing, what people are doing, and not what he is doing. So, and, and one of the things that um, I've, I've tried to stop saying, because I don't believe it's true, is this idea of everything happens for a reason. Um, and I'm, I'm much comfortable at a place of uh, God can redeem anything. And it's not so much this, um, you know, God is intentionally allowing bad things to happen to us, but because um, it, it, it makes us happy. Okay, well, everything happens for a reason. I'm going to get something good out of this if I'm just patient or whatever. Uh, well, and even that assumption that something happened for a reason means that something good comes of it. Right. Like that, even that is that is a very selfish and narrow. I think viewpoint of what reality is, right? right? Like everything happens for a reason. Okay, why did Kobe Bryant and his daughter and all those other people just crash into the side of a helicopter right. or of a side of a mountain? Like, but the funny thing is, is like if Kobe hadn't been on that, nobody would have known. Oh no! Like it would have it would have made local news, yeah. right? Yeah. It would have made local Southern California news. Another, more people cra- died in a helicopter crash. Yep. But like one of the greatest basketball players of all time is on it and his daughter and other children and other, you know, people who matter just as much to God. Um, what, what's the reason there? Right. It's, it's senseless loss of life. Yep. It's pointless. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. God can redeem anything, but like, what's the reason any tragedy in history has happened? Yeah. So, yeah, and so, yeah, it's, you know, I think every perfect gift um, is from an eternal perspective, from a God perspective, and not always so much from our perspective, unless we are in that taking the time to be in Him and see Him in things, then I think you can go, okay, I see that now, but it's not, at least my opinion is it's not always the, the human perspective that we um, bring to our situation. Yeah. I think not to hammer on it, but yeah, like everything happens for a reason is it almost seems like a, an opportunity for us to like, like the, because God argument, right. Mm -hmm. 
well, I can't explain it, so God. Right. Right? Well, I can't explain why this awful thing happened, so everything happens for a reason, because God. And I just don't think it jives with a lot of stuff, because there's, there's things that God chooses to redeem, and there's things that he chooses not to, maybe? That, that's, I guess that's a whole other argument I'm not prepared to have, so maybe I should have kept my <laughs> mouth shut. But, like, I mean, I just think there's consequences. Sure. To our actions. Right. To our inactions and consequences to sin. Mm-hmm. Period. Like, it says literally in the verses before this that sin leads to death. Right. You know? And... I mean, I guess the other option is this is all garbage and we're all just here by accident and (laughs) chaos rules. And if chaos rules, then crap happens. And anything that isn't chaos or crap is a win. Mm Mm-hmm. But I choose to believe the Bible's true for a myriad reasons, so we're going to stick with what the Bible says. That works. I have, I have enough sadness in my life. I don't need this to go away. <laughs> All right. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First fruits is a very biblical word, Dave. You don't hear that talk, at least, well, not in the circles I run in. I only know a few farmers and. Mm-hmm. I don't know how big of a deal first fruits is anymore um, in certain agricultural circles. Not my area of expertise. I'm from Detroit. Not much agriculture <laughs> there. Yeah. Except for weed now, but that's a whole nother story. True. Um, so what, when, when you hear first fruits, Dave, what, what do you, what, what comes to your mind? Well, I, yeah, I, th- I definitely think it doesn't have, near the meaning that it does it doesn't have near the meaning today as it did then uh because i think there's you know a first fruit is the idea of giving to god um the first fruits and so uh i mean i guess i could be naive and that first fruits do still have some meaning to like you said farmers today but uh I I take first fruits as it being uh, an offering to God. It's taking um, what is prosperous in our life, uh, particularly very concrete things like a crop, and um, offering it to God. And so when I hear that, it says that we would be a kind of a first fruit of his creatures. Um, there's definitely this idea of God's creation and being uh, an offering to him, being that the, the first for him, um, and maybe even an element with James here of you know speaking to a particular audience of uh, the first believers and that first community and being very aware that um, the Hebrew people and being Jewish and living in the world that they live in now is completely different because the Messiah has come. And so um, to have known Jesus and to live when he lived 
and to be a part of that first group of people um, in the new chapter of God in the world, um, I think there's a very um, true essence of it being a first fruit in terms of they are the first believers. So I think of an offering to God when I hear first fruits, and then if I apply Mm -hmm. this to James, I do think he has that element to, he's speaking to a specific audience of we are the first ones. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, to be the first people that received the gospel Mm -hmm. in, like, the full reality of the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and came back from the dead, like, within years Mm -hmm. of James writing this, right? And yeah, and that concept of the first fruits, as you said, as like a sacrifice to God of, of, of thanking God for the harvest mm-hmm. that came. And so we give back the first things we get to God as a thank you for the, the bounty that he produces each harvest. Um, and then, you know, that reminds me of like Jesus saying, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And, you know, mm-hmm. instead of calling them fishers for men there, they're, you know, it's, it's an agricultural reference. But, yeah, to to think that of God's own will, he brought us forth, like, will, right? You have to have will to farm. Oh, yeah. Long days, long weeks, long months, hard work, especially back then when they didn't have electronics and gas engines and... right. You know, you had animals to pull your plow and everything was manual and like the will it took for God to do that. Cause like, I think sometimes for me, at least I'll speak for myself. I think, well, I mean, he's God. Why wouldn't he forgive us? And it seems like it was an easy choice for him to send Jesus to do what he did. And like, it was no skin off his back. Right. Like it was just. And that's not to say that, like, God, you know, how do I want to say it? It, I, I think I underestimate often, maybe as a way of um, self-deception or as a way of mitigating my own sin and the weight it has, but I think I often underestimate how much... God had to consider and sacrifice mm-hmm. to do what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, when I think about that and I apply any sort of weight to it, then that weight exponentially causes my sin to be much worse than I would care to think it is, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Because God has done something truly extraordinary. And I think, like we sang uh, at church on Sunday, here I am to worship. And, and the bridge of that says, I'll never know how much it cost to, you know, yeah. see your life upon the cross. I might begin the words r- roughly wrong, but I like, I just truly think, like, I severely underestimate what it cost God. Right. All three members of the Trinity, right? Like, in each in in each of their unique personalities, what it cost each of them to undo what we did, yeah. 
and yeah, that's that's hitting me pretty heavy right now. Yeah, no, I I, I absolutely agree. It just um, when you're familiar with it, it's easy for it to be taken lightly, yeah. and so um, yeah, it's. Um, I, I think it's twofold. I think it's that, like you said, it's the familiar, well, like I said, the familiarity. And then as you were saying, there's this element of, you know, we just, at least for me, think of God as so big and him being so generous and that like, what you know, like what's the big deal to send Jesus to die on the cross? Like that should be no skin, you know, it's like, yeah. But the reality is, is it is, it is tremendous. And so, um yeah indeed I'm glad he chose to do it anyways mhm <laughs> I think they're happy about it too <laughs> perks of podcasting on a corner in between two hospitals, you get the occasional ambulance drive by. But hey, that was actually perfect timing because uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna call her quits this week. Unless you have anything else you'd like to add, sir. Nope, I'm good with that. Cool. All right, folks, thank you so much for your time. And again, not again. I say again in the sense that I say this at the end of every episode. Check out the show notes supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 153 or just swipe around on your phone or tablet or computer. They're going to be there somewhere. You'll see them. It'll say show notes for episode 153 and there will be links to like James 1, 16 through 18. You can also see links to uh, our email, our website, um, our Patreon page, that sort of fun stuff. Our phone number. Do with that what you will. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and uh, we will be back next time. Uh, Dave, say bye. Bye. Toodles.